Welcome to Strong Not Starving. My name is Marcus Kane, and if you want to beat binge eating and create a rewarding relationship with food and exercise, you're in the right place. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice. In this week's episode, I'm going to be answering some questions about weight loss, set points, and low-carb diets. Now, it's always my intention to provide balanced information about these areas so that we can all be well-informed and retain ownership of our own personal journeys. Though, if you're taking some intentional time away from conversations about weight loss and diets, this episode might not be the best choice for you right now. So that was a trigger warning. And it's 100% your call whether or not you decide that this episode addressing these topics is a good call for you at this particular time. And I'm addressing these things because a lot of people in the disordered eating space kind of shy away from these topics or just dismiss them. And I don't I don't think that's super helpful. I think that we need well-rounded answers to these things, because if we pretend questions don't exist, then we're just we're just going to struggle with them um, perpetually and be really uninformed and a bit confused. And we're not really going to have the conviction that we need to stay to take the steps that we really ought to and really need to to create that rewarding relationship with food and exercise that I'm always talking about. So in light of that, the three questions that I'm going to get into today are do I work with some people on weight loss goals? And the answer is yes. Under certain circumstances, I'm going to get into that uh, shortly. Secondly, how do some people stick to low carb diets without binge eating? And third, is there such a thing as a set point, like a weight that your body will find a way to stay at despite your best efforts to change your weight or shape? Now, that's a particularly uh, interesting one, and I'm going to be talking about the physiological and psychological factors of that. So when it comes to weight loss, like, do I work with people on weight loss goals? And like I said, the answer is yes. Like there are some people who've done the work to create a stable relationship with food and they're they're ready to progress onto other things if they choose to. I work with some people who create amazing stable relationships with food and a lot of confidence and assurance in their bodies. They're free from binge eating. They're free from disordered eating. And after going through that process and finding that place of peace, they actually decide, you know what? I'm good here. I don't need to change my weight or shape from this place. Like I'm actually good in this place. And these are often people who've come to me and mentioned weight loss in our first few conversations and said that weight loss is one of their goals. And we've gone about the process of resolving uh, challenges with disordered eating with the intention of looking at the option of weight loss down the track. And I never really commit to weight loss like 100% with someone. I always kind of say like, let's clean up your relationship with food. Let's see what we can do in that whole sphere. And then let's see how you feel. And, you know, some people, they, they do clean up their relationship with food. They do feel so much better after that process. And then they genuinely decide, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm stress-free. I'm in the place that I want to be. The important people in my life love me exactly as I am. I'm feeling good. I'm moving well, and I don't need to lose weight from here. And that's great. Some other people, they they make the changes that they plan to make in terms of their relationship with food, 
And then they continue to say to me, you know, I just, it's really niggling at me. Like this thing with weight loss, like I just want to be, I just want to be a bit smaller. I don't feel good the size I am. It's worth saying as well that the people I work uh, with weight loss uh, with, these are all people who are in kind of larger bodies. Like I very rarely do fat loss work or weight loss work with someone who's already in what we could call a reasonably athletic body and is just looking to get leaner, like looking to get beach body lean. Like that is a very different process to someone who is in a a much larger body and saying, look, I want to be able to buy clothes off the rack. I want to be able to fit in amusement park rides with my kids. Like those are two very different things. And I treat those two situations uh, very differently. I do work with people in both situations. But if someone's talking to me about getting like athletic lean or whatever it is that they want to call it, that that person needs to have everything else about their relationship with food down. And we will often do a lot of work on their relationship with food, their relationship with training, their relationship with body image, and make sure that that is really stable before then getting curious about the process of further goals. But either way, whenever I do work with someone to change their body size or shape, it always is done from the foundation of a really great relationship with food and exercise. Everybody is different. Everybody requires different work to get to that point. And like I said, some people do the work with getting a great relationship with food and exercise and then go, you know what, I'm good. But again, some people decide I'd like to take it that step further. And what we really need to pay attention to at that point is the intent. Why do we want to take it further? Because full transparency, I've worked with people who have kept insisting to me that they want to keep losing weight. They want to keep losing weight. They want weight loss to be the focus. They're desperate for weight loss to be the focus. And I've kept recommending to them that based on where they're at in their journey, like I'm willing to help them in whatever way they want to be helped, like I'm not going to be a dictator. But at the same time, I'm going to recommend or I'm going to suggest that the relationship with food isn't stable, because the intention behind the weight loss is still coming from a place of wanting to be enough. I'm not enough. I can't be happy in this body. This I'm not enough in this body. I hate my body the way it is. And that kind of starts to work towards that territory of trying to hate ourselves into a different body, which is just something that doesn't work. One example of a gentleman who I'm working with right now who's doing particularly well in terms of his weight loss after developing a better relationship with food, he literally spent the time that he needed to spend with unconditional permission surrounding all food groups. He developed, uh, after many years of keto, he developed a very stable relationship with carbohydrates. One of the things that was getting in the way of his uh, making progress in terms of weight loss or these kind of things, historically speaking, was eating when he was on the phone, eating when he was in the car, so absent-mindedly eating and eating to emotionally regulate after very, very busy days. Like this guy has a hectic schedule, very, very busy guy, a lot of responsibilities. So without impinging on his uh, freedom of choice when it comes to eating when he's hungry, 
we were able to make some changes like, okay, let's not eat absentmindedly while we're on the phone. Let's not eat absentmindedly while we're driving. And through this better connection with his relationship with food, he was able to make some choices in regards to uh, carbohydrates. For example, he realized that he just didn't feel as good when he was eating a lot of carbohydrates. Like I said, he spent the period of time necessary giving himself permission with carbohydrates to create a sense of peace around those foods. But through that process and through through being connected with his experience with food during that process, he just realized, you know what, I don't I don't feel good eating a lot of bread. I don't feel good eating a lot of pasta. I, I don't feel good eating a lot of that kind of thing. So that was one of the steps, the very mindful and conscious steps that he made and continues to make with his diet, though it comes from a place of being on a, what we could call like a low carb approach, but doing it without restriction. And and this is where these principles of like, if we're going to approach low carb, like these are the things that we need to take into account. And I know I'm not talking about the things that I mentioned at the start of the episode in the order in which I mentioned them, though bear with me through this. And I promise that we'll end up addressing everything that I mentioned. In answer to the do I work with people on weight loss question, yes, I do. Under very specific circumstances, if we've done the work necessary on their relationship with food and their relationship with food is genuinely stable and we can get curious about where to go from there. And when it comes to low carb approaches to food, like this gentleman, uh, JP, his name is, you can find a episode with him in my podcast. Uh, it's way back when the podcast was still called the M. Kane Coaching Podcast, but there's an episode with JP there that you'll be able to hear us having a chat after the time spent on his relationship with food type stuff, getting everything stable there. Now we're working on his further goal uh, when it comes to weight loss. He has decided or, you know, gotten in touch with him himself and his relationship with food and realized that a lower carb approach really feels best for him for the reasons that I mentioned before. Taking these things into account that, number one, all foods are still allowed in his diet. Nothing is considered contraband. So this is very different to what he was experiencing and what he was doing when he was doing, say, the keto diet, where there were certain foods that were just banned and not allowed. He makes the mindful choice to eat foods that he genuinely feels good eating. It just so happens that more of those are fiber and protein based than grainy kind of carbohydrate based though he is still allowed to have a sandwich or pasta or whatever the hell he wants if he really feels like it or the situation calls for it so that's principle number one he happens to eat low carb by choice but that doesn't mean that any particular foods are contraband he's still allowed to eat whatever he wants really Secondly, there's guilt-free permission to participate in social events surrounding food. He never has to go to a party or family event or anything like that thinking, oh, fuck, what am I going to eat here? It's it's not a case of obviously getting to the party and just going, woohoo, cheat day, I'm going to eat everything and I'm going to go home and eat more because I fucked up today and I may as well make a 24-hour cycle of it. Like, no, no, no. There's just the the concept that 
you can go to a family event or something like that. And it just, it just doesn't matter. Like if you go somewhere, you're hanging out with your family, you're hanging out with your friends and someone orders a pizza, have the fucking pizza. Like it's not a big deal. So guilt-free permission to participate in social events is number two. Number three, like I've mentioned, there's been enough time with unconditional permission surrounding carbs to genuinely feel at peace with them. So you're not going to go from really restrictive diets to the approach that I'm outlining right now without spending a reasonable period of time reconnecting with a good relationship with all food groups. That's the difference between knowing something in theory versus feeling something. If you try to go from a very restrictive approach to doing what I'm outlining now without giving yourself the felt experience of unconditional permission and genuine peace surrounding food, it's not going to work. We need to spend time developing a sense of peace and abundance surrounding food before we can happily make any other steps. That is absolutely key. And number four, there's a mindful decision to choose more protein and fiber because it feels good. The focus is not on limiting carbs. So there's that difference, right? I'm choosing protein and fiber and fruits and vegetables and, and whatever, all those foods, because they, they taste good and it, it, I feel good after eating them, not because I'm trying to avoid carbohydrates. You see the difference there? Very, very different approach. And finally, the fifth thing to take into account with a low-carb approach after making your way out of binge eating is that you can't kid yourself on any of these steps, You can't trick yourself. There is no way to trick yourself into thinking that you have a good relationship with food. I tried to do this myself for years. I truly did. I went from restrictive diets to trying to loosen the reins a little bit, telling myself that it was okay, that I could, that I could have whatever I want. I just wasn't choosing to have it right now and still kind of like low key white knuckling it. And that's that's going to fuck you six ways from Sunday every step of the way. So you can't kid yourself. If you haven't given yourself the felt experience of peace surrounding food, then it's going to be very, very difficult to move forward. And that's why I sound like a broken record with so much of this stuff, because I am all for further goals. I am all for fitness goals. I am all for ambition and getting excited about what we can do in the gym and with food and everything like that. It's just that time and time again, we see that none of those things can happen from the position of starting with an unstable relationship with food. So if you are in a place right now where your relationship with food is not stable, but you do in your heart of hearts, have other goals and further goals that you want to work towards. The first thing we have to do is clean house before going after those goals. We have to reestablish a really chill, peaceful relationship with food before going after those further athletic goals. So you can't kid yourself on this. I know it sounds rough, but I'm speaking from the place of having to, you know, reinvent myself 
time and time again when it came to diet and exercise for so many years, I wasted so much time just like spinning my wheels, trying to go from step one to step six without just spending that little bit of time creating a stable relationship with food. And I know right now I can recognize this now and I wish that I recognized this back then. If at some point in that 15 years, I just spent like 12 months on developing a really great relationship with food, my entire life would have changed. I could have saved myself over a decade, but there was no one wonderful enough to tell me the things that I'm telling you right now. So please, from my heart to yours, please take it in and prioritize your relationship with food and body image above all further goals. Because like I said, broken record, I know, Those stable relationships with food and body image and exercise are the stable platform that everything else is built on. And finally, one more thing to chat about today, this set point theory. There's a lot of noise about this around and it's like this whole thing of if your weight naturally is at approximately a certain range, maybe you're in a larger body and you don't like it. Maybe you're in a smaller body and you're trying to put on weight. There's this idea that your physiology will fight you when you try to shift your weight away from your natural genetically determined set point. Now, a lot of people argue against that theory because they play the card of, well, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, obesity wasn't the problem that it is now. So set point theory, it doesn't it it doesn't hold up. It's all environmental. Now. I only know enough about this to know that that argument falls apart under very close scrutiny from very intelligent people in this field. That's not really the point that I'm trying to make here or that I'm trying to talk about here. There is something very important that I want to bring to your attention as far as the psychological element of set points. Because a great example that I heard of your body trying to maintain its weight at a certain place is that imagine you have a house with the thermostat turned to a certain temperature and you can't adjust it. Now you can do other things like open the windows, you can walk around in just your pants, you know, you can do whatever you can to try and make the house cooler despite the fact that the thermostat is set at a particular point. And It's worth mentioning that your body weight thermostat level changes as we age. So I just want to give you a heads up to avoid that trap. Just because your thermostat was set at a certain point 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, that doesn't mean that you should expect that same result, that same thermostat point now at whatever age you are now. Our bodies change, our bodies evolve. We have to roll with it. We have to change with it. We have to adapt. So I just wanted to get ahead of that one right now before going further. But yeah, imagine your thermostat within your body set at a certain temperature, set at a certain weight. You can go around and open the windows. You can take steps to cool down the house. But at the end of the day, unless you want to continue constantly doing those things to keep the house cooler, constantly taking active steps every day to keep the house cooler than it than the thermostat naturally kind of wants it to be, there's going to be a certain amount of work involved. Now, that's kind of the genetic element 
the genetically predetermined element of set point. And I know that I'm not explaining that on like a Mensa level when we're talking about the science of set points, but where my work really starts is in the psychological side of this and the emotional side of things. I'm often much less interested in the physiology of set points than I am in the psychological elements. Because so much with our relationships with food happen on a subconscious level. We're talking about the ways in which we've learned to soothe through different emotions. We've learned uh, throughout our lives or we've internalized these things in terms of body image and how we feel around other people. And like there is so there is such a depth to our relationship with food in terms of our subconscious thoughts, beliefs habits that I don't believe we can ever really underestimate the psychological element of set point theory. So this is why I refer to doing the work. And when I'm talking about doing the work, I'm often referring to the mindset work, the mindfulness work, the self-awareness work. Too often we want to get the new diet, get the new action steps. What's the thing that I do? What's the diet that I do? What's the exercise routine that I do? What are the things that I can do? And we're obsessed with the doing. What can I do? How many different exercises can I put in a workout? How much should I be walking? Like all all of this stuff that's just completely uh, stuck in the world of action when what we really need to do is address what's going on on a subconscious level in regards to food, the choices that you're making about food without even realizing that you're making them, shining this light of self-awareness on exactly what's going on in your relationship with food, what's driving the feelings that you're having that then leads to the decisions that result in you choosing something to put in your mouth. I can't stress this enough. Like we're obsessed with doing, we're obsessed with doing all these things and researching the right diets and taking all this action. And we're obsessed with physiology, which is something that we have very little control over sometimes. My point being, what happens? What happens really when we do the work on ourselves, on our self-awareness, when we do the internal work? What can that change? I've seen that change incredible things. I've seen people lose weight as a result of doing the inner work, changing or drawing awareness, bringing awareness to their thought processes, challenging some of their coping mechanisms. I've seen this work to change people. Now, I'm not saying that you should jump on this and go, okay, that's my path to weight loss. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying put aside weight loss, focus on bringing self-awareness to who you are, why you do the things that you do. This is one of the things that I spend a lot of time with in one-to-one sessions with people coaching, doing these exercises that at first people think, you know, why are we doing this? Like, what's the, what's the fucking point in this? Um, even very recently, I started working with a gentleman who immediately jumped on to doing a bunch of practical steps, like how much water should I be drinking? Um, What food should I be eating? How should I be aiming to do this? How should I be aiming to do that? And cool, 100%, that's fine. I rolled with that for a few weeks until we realized that nothing was changing. Nothing was happening. 
all of the action steps that we were talking about, none of them were getting done, not even the smallest ones. So that gave us the opportunity to go, okay, why are none of these things happening? What is the block? Because the blockage is not time. The blockage is not that we don't have enough time to do a five minute thing or a, or that something is too complicated. Like it's, it's never about the time or how complicated something is. There is always some other form of blockage that we don't get to, a roadblock that we don't remove unless we spend some time putting aside action and just focusing on self-awareness. And since we've started doing this, this gentleman that I was talking about, he's experienced some incredible changes. Doors are actually unlocking for him in the way that he's able to carry out action steps and carry out things that previously he was procrastinating on and not finding himself able to follow through with. So when it comes to set point theory, I'm no expert on the physiological side of things. What I know for certain though, is that most of us are living our relationship with food subconsciously with very little awareness going on and then looking at what's happening on the outside and going, oh my God, why am I in this situation? Constantly trying to add new things, add new diets, add new steps, do more, work harder, hustle more, and just working against the grain with something that's, you know, subconscious. So if there was one thing I'd encourage you to do after listening to this long-winded waffle, it would be to remove the focus from doing Stop being so proactive for just a second and turn your attention inward. Get introspective. Don't pick apart your thought process. I'm not talking about thoughts here. I'm talking about your beliefs, like your really, really deep internalized beliefs and your feelings. Beliefs and feelings aren't the same things as thoughts. Thoughts are a distraction in some ways from our kind of deep-seated beliefs and feelings. So I would advise you to see what happens when you turn your attention inwards to the things that you believe and maybe reflect on where did these beliefs come from? Why do I believe the things that I believe? And if you want some guidance through that process, along with a whole lot of practical stuff in terms of nutrition and exercise and everything as well that we put as the cherry on top, reach out to me is what I do. I have a couple of coaching spots available at the moment for one-to-one clients, and I'd be more than happy to give you a free consultation, free chat where we can talk about what you're going through and decide whether or not working with me is a good fit for you. So that's it for this week. My name is Marcus Kane. This is Strong Not Starving, and I'll be back with another episode next week.